Welcome to Being Tired, a podcast about the human experience of chronic fatigue. This is a sharing podcast, which means I'll be talking about my personal everyday experiences, including tips, coping mechanisms, reflections and frustrations, and I'll be inviting you to share yours. So today I want to talk about terminology. So like the words that we're using to describe, well, to describe the fatigue, <laughs> even within my own podcast, I think I've used, well, I know I've used tired, being tired, and also fatigue to describe chronic fatigue. And I use all sorts of words interchangeably at different times describing the experience. Um, because of the everyday connotations of of each word. So yeah, I'm really interested in what words other people use colloquially to describe the daily symptom. Like just like, oh, I'm tired, you know, today I'm tired, I'm exhausted, fatigued, knackered, if you're in the UK. (laughs) I think, yeah, I'm interested in exploring how the terminology affects how others view our experience. Um, and our perception of how we're ex- explaining our experience correctly. Sometimes I'll say, oh, I'm tired today. And I know it just doesn't cover it, but I also know that I'm too tired to put the energy into explaining that no, when I say tired, I mean a different level of tired to what you think. <laughs> Even within, yeah. I had to just cut off my recording because there is a very noisy bird outside my window. <laughs> and I didn't want to close the window because my cat is looking at it. He's not going to eat it. It's fine. But um, I've had to do that. But it's still incredibly noisy. Hopefully I'll be able to get rid of the the tweeting of the bird in post. Hello. That's my cat chasing the bird now. Um, But if not, I apologise in advance for the extremely loud bird. It's a tiny, tiny bird, but it's being super noisy. Anyway, (laughs) I was talking about terminology. So for me, I found... Uh, I think I use the word exhausted the most because it seems to cover it correctly because I think people with fatigue can also feel everyday tiredness on top of the the fatigue. <laughs> it's, it's difficult with the terminology, but I always find exhaustion is to me what what explains it the best because I remember before I had fatigue, I knew the distinction, you know, I'm a little bit tired, a little bit tired just means I haven't slept well or you know I'm just in work slightly too early I haven't had a coffee and then I'm going to shake it off you know and then later on in the day you won't continue to be tired is the presumption right now I'm tired um you know I've just I've just come from a run it's a very weak (laughs) way of describing tiredness I'm gonna go round and round in circles with this terminology (laughs) but yeah so if I was experiencing a period fatigue I would always describe it to doctors as exhaustion And even when I didn't know what it was, I just was like, I have been exhausted for two weeks. I can't get out of bed. I feel exhausted. And I think that sounds more physical and all encompassing. You know, you can kind of um, infer that the, the brain is also exhausted and the physicality of it. It just sounds, it sounds bigger than simply tired. But I think that's for a period of exhaustion. When I talk about it in general, I'll say fatigue um, because it it implies, I think it implies chronic. But sometimes when I'm saying it, it just sounds weak, you know. I'm a bit fatigued. 
It frust- essentially, the point I'm trying to get to is that none of the words are correct. I wonder if there's a really fantastic word in a different language um, that describes better the magnitude of the tiredness. <laughs> yeah, knackered is, is also good, but it's too... Oh, I haven't slept, I'm knackered, you know. But tired just doesn't just doesn't do it. So yeah, I'm really interested. If anyone has words that they use um, that explain better... The experience because I just feel like they sound too small they also sound to me like a lack of like tiredness is a lack of energy fatigue is a, is a lack of vigor you know it's like but it's a thing in and of itself like how you say pain I'm in pain and people really understand that they feel like you're experiencing something whereas if you say you're tired it sounds like yeah it's a lack of something but it's not it's a it's a it's a really full experience my body aches my body feels tired to move my mind feels slow I feel heavy my head is possibly thumping or I'm just I feel half dead (laughs) which admittedly is is uh, lacking in life but (laughs) none of the words encompass it and I'm very helpfully being quite um ineloquent (laughs) so that's really helpful um but yeah that's my question to everyone what what do you use I would really really love a better word or a better way of ex- describing the experience in shorthand because I've got all sorts of um I'm my boyfriend always says I'm really good at analogies to explain what I mean and I'm like I think I am I'm fantastic at analogies but I think it's because I'm bad at shorthand or there's it's no <laughs> no real shorthand So I was going to talk about medical gaslighting. I had a whole episode recorded um, and I'd, yeah, I was really pleased with that one. (laughs) It's obviously a huge topic, but I went to release it. Actually, that was going to be the one that I sent to iTunes and Spotify to, to get it going. But we are currently, I'm recording this in the midst of lockdown um, and the coronavirus. And it didn't feel like the time to be necessarily focusing on criticizing doctors <laughs> doing a lovely clap for the NHS and uh, posting lots of stuff about how we need to support the NHS financially and things and then being like doctors though <laughs> so yeah at some point I'll talk about medical gaslighting um but um I thought I'd take the opportunity to talk about the coronavirus actually <laughs> a novel idea um but specifically in terms of uh fatigue so at the moment we're two months into lockdown and I've already had coronavirus um but my experience with it so my anxiety beforehand at the beginning of lockdown was pretty high because I wasn't sure if I was vulnerable or not as somebody with a uh, chronic illness um there was a lot of confusion about whether or not we fell into the vulnerable category which at the time was relevant um, more so because it wasn't full lockdown so it was whether or not we're taking extra precautions which we all should have been doing anyway because the UK reacted horrendously which we should have been in lockdown months ago but um, yeah at the time I was confused about whether or not my partner should be going out because if I was if he was living with a vulnerable person you know and it was only when I listened to the um, 
podcast by the Encephalitis Society. I waited, I put an alarm, <laughs> put an alarm in my calendar um, for when it was going to come out because I knew that that was the only way that I would get an answer. Um, and they very, very clearly um, and kindly and considerately and thoroughly answered everybody's questions and put my mind at ease that um, I wasn't in the vulnerable category as of them because at the time, I think the government had said it was... Uh, so people included in the vulnerable category were people with long-term neurological neurological conditions, which because I'm I had encephalitis, I was like, is that me there? <laughs> it's very confusing. But yeah, the the podcast, the Encephalitis Society podcast, um, clar clarified that if you're post recovery from encephalitis, you're not necessarily. But it was a really really anxious time in terms, and it really triggered my fatigue in terms of the amount of anxiety, um, which I'm sure we all sure we all had um and then I came down with it so a few weeks into lockdown my mum got it so my mum um is a works as a carer and she was being ubered to and from work and she thinks she got it from there <laughs> but um this is all pre-lockdown um and then during luckily I it, it was a what you'd call a mild case of coronavirus I never got um tested because we have no tests here <laughs> I mean, if doctors and nurses and frontline staff aren't getting tested, I'm not going to bother trying. But I am pretty confident. Um, I lost my sense of smell, which still hasn't come back, which is a which is a key component of it, I believe. It just felt like the most horrendous flu I've ever had. Um, but I'm really lucky that it didn't spread to my chest. I had no respiratory symptoms. But most sort of most relevantly to to the discussion of fatigue is my experience afterwards. I. I sort of got up, um, it was about a week of having it and then was getting over it and had been told by friends, um, GPs, that it was one that takes a little while to recover from. So I was being a bit gentle with myself in terms of um, my recovery. Um, and then I, I went on Twitter and uh, there was, I think, I can't remember, there was a governmental um, sort, of, sort of saying, releasing some information on getting your fitness back after coronavirus or something and a lot of people um with me were um cfs and things were saying this is incredibly reckless information um and it reminded me oh my god it is to be focusing on getting back to fitness after um a virus because post-viral um chronic fatigue is yeah i've i've heard so many examples of um, people having chronic fatigue for years and years um, after after a virus and going straight back to work and getting back back into it and things. So I totally spiraled my anxiety and was like, oh god, I, this is this is really going to trigger my um, fatigue. I was in quite a good place with my management before the coronavirus and had spent like a few months putting things into place and thought, oh my god, it's back to square one and also potentially triggering. Um, an even more serious chronic fatigue because I'm aware I, I'm I'm quite lucky um my fatigue that's a whole different conversation in and of itself but I can I can manage to um do a lot more than than some people can and I just got in a huge panic about that I was crying for a few days like um just from the the panic of the recovery um I'm okay now like sort of a week down the line I feel like I haven't triggered a more long-term fatigue but I really 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 it was it was good that I read it at the time actually because I was thinking of getting back onto my um daily walking and that would have been too early 
Um, so I'm glad that I, I read a lot of those tweets and freaked myself that out massively, but also um, concentrated my, my energies on resting with a capital R, like just allowed myself to go, no, you know what, drop everything, just rest for a week, seriously. Um, and rest my brain, switch my brain off as well, which is um, a massive part of, um, of rest. But I think the thing that tri- that that made me nearly go back to, to to expending too much energy too quickly was that I was in the midst of um, a graded exercise therapy program, which I'd started. It's really annoying timing because I was on the waiting list for about a year for this graded exercise therapy. And um, so for those of you that don't know about it, I'd never heard of it until I was, where was I? I think I was in I was in some sort of doctor's appointment. There's so many, who knows which. Uh, and talking about how my fatigue was still a problem after two, two and a half years of encephalitis, or maybe at the time two. Um, and they recommended the graded exercise therapy program because I talked about not being able to go back to um, exercise because it it triggered me too much. It just made me too exhausted. So I would, I would be like, right, I'm going to get on. I'm going to go back to... I was about to say running, but I hate running. <laughs> I tried it once, got really into it, and then hated it. Um, but I wanted to go swimming. Like I just could feel my fitness was a bit low after um, so like some serious recovery. And I was like, right, it's now time to get back into exercise. And I, I went too, too hard, too fast, and it just was I, – I didn't feel safe in supporting myself to, to do that and not trigger my fatigue horribly. So, yeah, so they recommended the Great Exercise Therapy Program in – what's it called South London Maudsley Hospital and I was on the waiting list for such a long time and then I finally got my assessment and then I think we we're in the fourth the fourth appointment so putting things into place that are um the idea is sort of safely reconditioning your body back um after periods of inactivity um so you go you identify your baseline you go under your baseline I was I was in the the point of having daily walks that were starting at you know five minutes and that had been raised in increments to 10 I was and I was at about 22 minutes I think and I was really enjoying my daily walks this is before the uh the government sanctioned daily exercise um and yeah I felt like I was in a really good place with it and so getting coronavirus actually completely interrupted that so now I'm not really sure where I'm at with it I've got a phone appointment in two weeks because I didn't want to get back into it immediately so yeah my yeah I'm interested in how anyone else has um got on with their graded exercise therapy program I've heard a little bit about it online um but it was the first I'd ever heard about it when I was referred to it and then when I started it so yeah anybody who's got any um insight on if they found it helpful if they found it unhelpful um I'll be talking about that a little bit more next week so I'll sign off for today. The bird has stopped chirping, which is really helpful. And my cat's fast asleep, so that's fantastic for the morale. <laughs>